Think Fit, Be Fit, effective thinking for potent workouts. Think Fit, Be Fit is dedicated to creating a new conversation about your exercise. Our podcast helps to uncover how the fitness industry has misled us. And it will show you that if you believe in your ability to improve your body through exercise, you don't need to rely on diluted or shallow information. From there, you can then educate yourself about the thing you are trying to change, your body. Then by engaging in a process of self-mastery, you will discover the secrets of exercise. My name is Jen Schwartz. I'm the founder of Think Fit Be Fit podcast. As a full-time muscle activation technique specialist, strength and conditioning coach, and detail-oriented personal trainer, I developed this podcast to help ensure that your time in the gym is well spent and that you have the power of enhancing your exercise with effective thinking. This podcast is an educational resource designed for those who have overcome injury and want to stay healthy in the gym. I have seen miraculous changes in my clients, pain, discomfort, and their training progress by working on the health of their neuromuscular system. This podcast uncovers the tools that I have used repeatedly to help my clients consistently exercise without pain. Welcome to Exercise Science Insider number four. This is your hostess, Jen Schwartz, and today you will hear a conversation with my colleague, Rob Donato. We are classmates in the Elite MATRX program, Muscle Activation Techniques, and we are discussing isometric exercise and youth sports culture. Rob is from South Florida. He co-owns a Miami studio called Myocortex. We use a killer combination of isometric exercise, strength and conditioning, muscle activation techniques, and Pilates to help their clients. And as you will be able to tell, we both work with athletes. So that's where we start the conversation with problems in the culture of youth sports, burnout, injuries, and the really sad fact that youth sports culture does not allow our kids to be students of the game nor their body or if they are a student of their body most of the time they are learning the hard way meaning injuries so we are going to share some ideas on how to go beyond the band-aids for athletic injuries and actually provide an opportunity to develop athletic excellence the theme of this episode is less is more. And I will say it is a great pleasure to share this concept with all of you because it is one that I see as sustainable and it helps me create sustainable improvements to my clients and my own muscular system. Before we get into the conversation, I do want to share uh, some of the highlights and some of the definitions and references for what we are discussing in the conversation. For context, please keep in mind that both Rob and I 
use muscle activation techniques and specifically more recently the RX process of MAT. If you want to learn more about that, muscleactivation.com has some great info on that. And we go back and forth on how we treat our clients and how we talk to our clients and that is all in the context of using MAT to help these uh, folks. Another important piece of information is understanding what isometrics actually are. And they are a type of exercise that requires zero movement, but a lot of muscle activity. Isometrics are targeted exercises. They are completed through contracting a muscle and sustaining that contraction. And you don't need to move to get the benefit. So there's a lot less risk involved than what we call dynamic exercise. Simply put, isometrics refer to exercises where muscles are producing force without motion. This can be achieved by either pushing, pulling against an immovable object or immovable resistance or by holding a weight in a certain position. What it's technically doing in the, like the zoomed in, muscle physiology is that the myosin heads attach and are replaced by higher threshold motor units when they fatigue. So there's a wide range of these exercises. Uh, Low-grade isometrics are something I use to help people engage their muscles and learn how to contract them. We also use dynamic Isometrics, which requires more than a couple joints, and it's like just holding a lunge. A plank could be considered a dynamic isometric. And one idea that we discuss in this episode is that isometrics are better for flexibility than stretching. And that is a novel concept for a lot of people. And it's one that I am used to introducing to folks. We just find that isometrics are safer, more effective, and targeted ways to increase flexibility. So that the individual doing the isometrics can contract their muscles through a range of motion and they control that motion, they own it. And that is something you will hear Rob and I talk about And truly, from this perspective, isometric training should be the foundation for all strength training programs, and it's not. We are the outsiders. Most uh, fitness trainers and sports trainers are using agility training, resistance training, or a lot of dynamic exercise to improve their athletes, where Rob and I go into this less is more idea that isometrics can carry over to strength, flexibility, and healing all in one exercise session. So I think that's a pretty good preview of what is in store for you. And 
If you want to learn more about what Rob does on a daily basis, you can see him on Instagram. He's pretty active at underscore Rob D Donato, R-O-B-D-I-D-O-N-A-T-O. And my Instagram is impact underscore your underscore fitness. And in the show notes, you will find a research, a meta publication on, or a meta analysis on ACL injuries on the rise. We also have a warm up program that is been shown to help soccer players prevent injuries. That's in the show notes. I also have a machine called the ISOFIT that Rob uses to teach the skill of executing isometric exercise. I really hope you enjoy this one. I look forward to having him back because this information is so helpful and it will help a lot of athletes, a lot of people trying to return to athleticism or an athletic lifestyle, as well as expose people to a new type of exercise that can benefit so many aspects of quality of life and quality of movement. So I look forward to hearing your thoughts and without further ado, welcome to Exercise Science Insider number four with Rob D. Donato. Yeah, I like the topic a lot. I think um I think it's I think it's um I think it's 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 needed because you know, our kids are getting run into the ground and it's you see it every day. It's it's insane. Yeah. Uh I Yeah, I'm I'm very plugged into that uh, <laughs> for sure. Um, what kind of ages do you work with? Like, what is your, what do you, when you say kid, what do you mean? Oh, so anywhere ranging from the youngest I've ever had was seven all the way through, through high school. So mm-hmm. I've had pretty much everything in between. So for example, you know, I see a really big, uh, significant, um, issue with kids who have the resources and their parents are willing to pay for anything they have all of these coaches but the problem is is you you think you know someone might progress with all of this all of these resources and everything but in actuality they end up digressing pretty quickly because you know no one's on the same page a lot of these coaches um, they go outside of their scope of practice mm-hmm. And then by the time they come to me for the strength and conditioning side, and it ends up just being more recovery, just kind of putting them back together from what they've been doing with all these coaches. Yeah. And I, I see it all the time. And, you know, it's gotten to the point where I, from the very beginning, I kind of set the standards where I'm like, look, you know, if they're going to be seeing these sports specific coaches for, let's say, a tennis swing or, or whatever the case may be, it's got to be just that it can't be an added conditioning component to it because that's what you're paying me for. Yeah. Um, 
And, you know, it's tough because these coaches don't want to listen. So the best way for me to tackle that little by little is um, teaming up with these, especially on the football side. We see a lot of kids that play football and football is really big here in South Florida. So I'm teaming up with these uh, positional specific coaches and let them know what it is that I do and help them understand better what it is that I do. And then explain to them that I can help their situation to be much better. They could yield so much more, have yeah. more results with like allowing me to do what I got to do rather than me just putting band-aids on every week. Um, and these kids are, these kids are beat up and there's a reason why they're, you know, there's, I don't know, there's more probably ACL tears with kids these days than there has been in the past. Yes. That number is definitely on the rise, even though there's been ACL injury prevention programs available for a decade easily and it's funny because like some of the the one that is act that is proven to work uh which is called the fifa plus 11 for the soccer community probably lacrosse and field hockey could benefit from it too maybe even basketball um it is just 20 minutes of like dynamic warm-up exercises and isometrics really it's called fifa plus 11 mm-hmm. or 11 plus 11 11 plus it's it's not hard to find okay. it is very well studied in the in in the soccer world and so when people are studying things in soccer we have an advantage because places like australia and Canada and not Canada, uh, Europe study sports. American football doesn't have that. You know what I mean? Right. And so there are all kinds of sports scientists and data collectors and analytics being used in uh, soccer, and they are actually able to you know, work on injury prevention from a research point of view, which is great. And yeah, you'll see the FIFA plus 11. There's like side planks and planks in there. And this is supposed to be a warm up. It's going to take 20 minutes and you're going to be a little bit, um, what is it? If you're not ready for it, it's going to feel like a workout. Right. If, the, if a 14 year old does that workout and they're not conditioned, it's going to feel like, a stress within itself, meaning a workout. So <laughs> there's that factor too. But anyways, when you were saying like the different coaches and like too many uh, cooks in the kitchen and those cooks not understanding the ingredients that they're working with or just going out of their scope of practice. But if you get the younger kids, it's so amazing that they know just one thing. It feels good. It doesn't feel good. Mm -hmm. um, and they don't listen to these outside because oh, they haven't worked with therapists or doctors or whomever. Mm -hmm. And they don't listen to their parents. They, the parents just say, hey, do you feel good? They say yes. They don't feel good. They say no. Yep. And um, it's awesome. But then once you start to, as they get older and they're subjected to these other modalities or working with other people, and then unfortunately they're put into this position where, you know, they don't want to let someone down. They feel bad. Um, but they know, they, they know their bodies really, really well. They know what feels good and what doesn't feel good. 
Um, and then unfortunately, you know, parents just get in the way of that where they're like, are you sure? You know, yep. and then they play these games and then the poor kids, then they start to question themselves on whether or not they're feeling good or not feeling good. And it's, it's, um, it's, it's a tough, it's a really, really, really tough situation. Yeah. I mean, I have a lot, I have a lot of experience with that and seeing it from a, I guess, an insider view of how people view their body as far as pain and discomfort and athletic excellence, right? Because athletic excellence requires a mental game and an understanding and of your body and confidence in your body. And there is, uh, so the program that I manage with Alexandria Soccer Association, I am sometimes the first stop for injuries um, and if kids are feeling run down, I'm available to these kids. Just like an athletic trainer is at the high school, except my job is to intervene at, a, at the athletic trainers their their job is to mitigate uh, uh, risk, you know. And main thing that I see is at a certain point where you're talking about there's this um, learning curve, and then when they start being vocal to their parents about how they feel, there's this there's a a change that can really happen where they're where they're gathering their body confidence based on how their parents treat their body and feel about their body. Mm -hmm. And that can change their whole like path of their athletic you know, uh, career, in my opinion. Uh, no, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's amazing that, um, you know, these, these kids, when they're going through this process of their bodies developing, you know, the, the, the most important thing, you know, the bodies are going through all these changes and then their parents have this perception of, of, you know, what they're supposed to be doing, healing and so on and so forth and, and how they're performing. And like you were just alluding to earlier is they could be setting themselves up for failure for the rest of their, their sports athletic careers mm -hmm. with, uh, just being burdened by injury after injury because they just simply haven't been developed the proper way and you see it all the time. Yep. It's amazing. And and then you get these these therapy sessions or training sessions and they put these unstable kids on unstable surfaces because they say, well, this pro athlete does this and this pro athlete does that. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, there's not a lot of education out there. It's actually quite simple. It's like, well, they're a pro athlete for a reason because, you know, they're freaks, they're absolute freaks of nature and you can almost do anything wrong with them and they're still going to perform. Um, and it doesn't mean that you can subject your body to those exact same things because you're not even close to even being, you know, developed into an adult just yet. Mm -hmm. And, um, and unfortunately it's, you see it all the time and I see it, I do a lot of pro bono work for, um, for a high school down here and um unfortunately you get a lot of coaches and a lot of these trainers that just come out of the woodwork to work with these kids because this high school produces a lot of nfl players mm. and um they come to see me and they just look like they almost look like a train wreck i, I have like 60 70 year olds that move better than these kids and <laughs> 
And it's amazing to me. They get on my table and they're cramping all over the place with simple ranges of motion. And they're, mm. they're just an absolute disaster. And I asked them, I'm like, literally tell me what it is that you're doing. And, um, you know, they want to work hard and they want to do this and do that. And then they got these trainers telling them one thing and then they got people like us telling them another thing. And it's, it's really difficult. Um, cause there's a huge, huge education gap and hopefully over time it can be fixed. And cause our kids are getting ran into the ground. Cause I always think to myself, well, if we, if we could get this one individual, this one kid in the right direction, there's two different directions. Hey, he might, he or she might be able to get a college scholarship. And then if they develop and if they don't develop properly, even if it's the same skill set, let's say it's the same person with the exact same skill set and the kid, or let's just say the kid with the lesser skill set is healthy, does the right things. They get a scholarship and this other kid could be 10 times better, let's just say. And then they're burdened through injury because of improper, uh, training or whatever the case may be mm -hmm. then they're not going to get that scholarship regardless of how good they are you know yeah um what i have so many questions i think we could talk about this stuff for a while um this is football specific specific do you believe that there could be a football coaching style that could help <laughs> players at the high school level develop uh, in, in, in a multi-positional philosophy? I think to answer that question, I'm going to answer it kind of without answering it in a sense. Okay. What I've been learning with this new coach at this high school that uh, we help, uh, we try to, it's just a matter of it's just timing issues sometimes. But what I've noticed is that taking the old school mentality out of the equation of running them into the ground. They got to run hundred one tens every practice. They got to do hitting drills every practice. Um, they're beginning to take a lot of that out. Even the weightlifting sessions are very novice level. They're not even really lifting that much. Mm -hmm. And believe it or not, their injuries are a lot less. And these same kids that I would see aren't as banged up. They're, they don't look so dysfunctional. And um, I think the whole, it's simple as this, less is more, especially with these high school kids. And, um, and you see a massive difference, you know, focus in on maybe the skill set of their position. Mm -hmm. And these, these teams, all these teams have position specific coaches, you know, linebackers, offensive linemen, quarterbacks, coach, they're all there. And I think if they focus less on the weightlifting side, and teaching these kids just a skill set, maybe watching more film and allowing these kids to sleep, you know, get them out of school, you know, get them out of practice early enough so they can get some sleep and educate them on that and putting their cell phones away and all these other things. I think you see a massive difference across the board with everybody, with all these kids. Um, yeah. And I think, yeah, to answer that question, I think just, just getting rid of the old school mentality of more is better, working harder, and instead just working smarter. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Less is definitely more. Okay. Then the next question is what is your ideal well-developed athlete? I think the, the ideal athlete is one that's very focused 
and one that comes to your sessions and they're focused on every single thing that you're asking them to do. Um, and that's hard to find. I mean, I've worked with professional athletes who some are very focused and some are just, their heads are God only knows where. And it's, I don't know if it's a matter of whether or not they're bought in or believe in what you do, mm -hmm. but um, those athletes that do buy in and they're extremely focused on every single session and the details and they're asking questions and they're always asking questions on what they can do on their own, whether it's nutrition or recovery or whatever the case may be. Um, that's the ultimate athlete in my personal opinion. It all starts with their focus. Mm -hmm. And um, you see a lot of great athletes and I've seen them have come through my doors and they're not as focused. And then you see them down the road, some change and the ones that don't, they get left out. You know, they may not make a team. They may not finish. They just completely lose it. And um, I, I, for various reasons, right. That they can be not focused, but an athlete who just really wants it, you know, who's willing to do the little details, you know, with MAT, Mm -hmm. focus on is very detailed oriented and and a lot of people in general especially athletes they don't want to go through those little details they just want to get to the workout sweat feel like they worked hard and then that's it or do some ridiculous drill that you know some ridiculous drill that really doesn't transfer it into anything just because it looks cool they want to do it and then you got that athlete and then you got the athlete who's like oh man I feel great because we're working on my weaknesses and a lot of athletes don't want to work on their weaknesses. They don't want to, they don't want to see that. I want an athlete who wants to attack all their weaknesses because they know that's what's going to get them over the hump to getting better and being better than everybody else. Yeah, that's, yeah, I would I mean, I went through a couple different cases in my head when you were saying that, and I definitely agree. I, uh, I work with um, mostly soccer players and I have a couple tennis players, uh, golfers and uh, figure skaters. Uh -huh. And, and there it's a, it like really that focus thing just, I mean, even the run, even the runners. Well, no, I, no, I take that back. Not the runners, uh, <laughs> but the, the tennis players, the golfers, the skaters, and the soccer players and the basketball players all have that in common where they know when to focus and when to reflect, you know, and um, the, and, and the ice skating community and the golfing community, it's very acceptable and pretty normal to have a mental coach, um, have a coach that helps the sports psychology side of it. And those athletes always, uh, they surprise me, their mental resilience and their flexibility. Okay, this is a perfect time to take a break, a quick drink of water. Speaking of water and in massive athletic performance and improving your performance and helping your body recover, I want to share with you one of my secrets. And this secret is for those of us in the Washington DC, Alexandria area, and that is floating at Synergy Float Center. 
Go check them out right now and use referral code BK978059. That will get you a discount for your first float. And let me tell you, you might need a couple of them to get into your groove, but this will impact your fitness, your recovery, and improve your athletic performance. SynergyFloatCenter.com in Alexandria, Virginia. Let me know how your float goes, and I can't wait to share stories about all the great stuff that happens inside and outside of the float. Let's get back to Exercise Science Insider number four with Rob D. Donato. The physical, we haven't talked about the physical side. We've just been talking about this like culture of overloading our kids, making them, uh, uh, making, creating this idea and this normalcy that fatigue is the thing that can help them be better. When just to be clear, you and I see it more. Uh, as a, I call it the 80-20 principle or the less is more principle or even the four minute freaking athletic development theory, right? If we were to give Tim, like a Tim Ferriss cool name to it, uh, that that is way more effective. And nice. you and I are like that, um, this inside view and we see all these bad things happening around us, but it's really hard to stay calm and not triggered by it, right? <laughs> and just keep our heads down and keep doing the good work of, you know, focusing on the details, focusing on exercise that can benefit 80% of what they, these kids do, you know? And so that for me, as long as I've been in athletic development has always started with isometrics. I think a good place to start is how do you explain isometrics to the, the 10, the 12 year old that you're working with and the 50 year old that you're working with? Um, I really don't, to be honest with okay. you. I, I do have that ISOFIT machine. Um, the only thing that, the only tough thing about that machine is it doesn't give you, you know, how much force are they producing, right? So let's just say I put them on the machine and I'll do like a, uh, I'll do like a, uh, a hip abduction isometric. Mm -hmm. And um, when I get them on there, they're quite surprised. I let them feel it first. And I say, see, look, this is what a muscle contraction is. You know, you're, you're contracting your muscles. And I think isometrics are absolutely so important in that sense. In the very, and that's the very most important thing, in my opinion, is it teaches an individual, whether they're 12 or 50, is this is what a muscle contraction is supposed to feel like. This is what exercise is supposed to feel like. Because most, uh, unfortunately, most trainers don't even teach what a muscle contraction is supposed to feel like. That's amazing. Yeah. Like Exercise, that is the difference between what uh, I guess the RTS uh, mindset calls like internal performance versus external performance, right? Exactly. So instead of watching 
a workout, like it's a circus, like it's your entertainment, you're focusing on these internal sensations. Yeah, it, it's, oh so, it's, so, it's so important because, you know, they, <clears throat> when people come to me and I talk about, look, this is the foundation. And without this, without learning how to do this, and understanding it and feeling it it's any drill that i could put you through in my personal opinion a won't yield what we're looking for as far as building a foundation of just strength mm -hmm. just understanding what what being strong is what it feels like um and to me that's more important than you know some might disagree with me some might say oh well you need to build their coordination and all this other stuff with doing drills yes i think that is important however just teaching a kid how to to or an individual and very few people these days know how to even contract muscle period mm -hmm. and then when i get on that machine they're like why is this so hard they always say that i'm like and they're and they say that they're not even trying that hard it's because they, they can't even produce enough force mm -hmm. you know they're not producing much and but yet it's still yielding um, a feeling of just being very difficult. It burns. I'm like, it's because you're actually working. This is what a working muscle feels like. Yeah. And I said, when we take this, take this information, and then when we apply it to when we're more dynamic with lifting weights or whatever machine, that is what it's supposed to feel like. It's supposed to feel like work. It's supposed to be hard, and um, and in controlled. Number one, obviously. So that's what isometrics are so great for is really teaching somebody how to own it, own every exercise, own the motions and owning their muscle contract, owning their muscles. And, um, there it's huge. It's boring. You know what I mean? It's not for us it's exciting as hell, but mm -hmm. for some people, for some people, it's not very exciting, especially for the ones who really still don't know how to produce force at all into like an immovable object. They just don't yeah. get it. You just don't I mean, get it. You I know? think it's only boring if they're taught that exercise is supposed to be burpees. Right. Know? Like, and your hair is supposed to be flipping around. So, <laughs> mm. you know, I, I've seen this shift happen with uh, all, all ages as well when, they're, when that, that aha moment clicks and they can feel their muscle contraction. I use... Um, I use the cues to feel um, like they can control the intensity. So when they go into an isometric position, I say, okay, now contract, but don't move other joints. So if we're doing a hip abduction exercise, if their leg is abduct abducting and they're laterally shifting and you can see it in their ribs, that is the point where i cue and i say okay so now maintain this contraction without moving this piece and feel like you can turn the volume up and keep it very low but also very consistent mm -hmm. what what other what kind of cues do you you use in that like in this uh window of learning uh, isometrics uh, that's a great question i 
what do, what do, what do I tell these people? I kind of tell everyone different things, but here's, I can be very general with this question. So I guess it's more of, I like to tell them they're being cheaters, you know, and it's kind of a joke. They like, stop cheating and kind of similar to what you're telling them. Um, I just kind of say it in a different way where I just kind of make the joke that they're cheating, but also I'll tell them to tone down. Usually when I see these, um, these compensations start to occur, um, let's just say like through the spine, if you're doing the hip abduction or maybe their hips are trying to, trying to deviate, mm -hmm. um, I will tell them the tell them to calm down and, and, and bring their forces down a little bit. And then I want them to feel what it feels like to be in that nice, stable position in a control position where nothing else is moving except just pushing their, pushing their legs straight out. And then as they learn how to control that and understand what that feels like, then I, then I go back to what your cue was, was, okay, so let's turn it up a little bit, little by little, and then I'll stop, and then we'll continue to go uh, various sets based off of that. Um, so it's almost good that they could feel what the wrong way is. And um, I kind of let them get there for like a split second and then help them understand that, Hey, you know, your hip is kind of lifting off and trying to rotate to the other side or their spine is side bending or whatever the case may be. And then, and then I tell them, okay, well, let's hone, you know, slow down a little bit. Let's, let's take some forces off, press a little lighter, feel what that feels like, and then start to vamp up a little bit now that you got it locked in. Um, so I think when they're doing it the wrong way, it's actually quite helpful for me because mm -hmm. then they feel it a lot better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's easier, it's easy to have them do like a bilateral one and they're able to recognize the, like that if there's an asymmetry pretty quickly, I feel like. No, I agree. With that. Yeah, because they're like, "Whoa, that was super simple." On the other side, and then I think when you see the brain, like the mind and the muscle disconnect, you know it's going to be hard. It's like this, like blank uh, face, <clears throat> this blank um, response from their face happens, and then they're like, "Where am I supposed to feel it?" And then on the other side, it's just 10 seconds later it's a completely different scenario you know hmm. i think that's uh yeah i think that's, that's I, I love i love being part of that moment where they're learning you know I'm, yes 100 uh, and like you said you could definitely tell on their face if it's going to be very difficult for them or not you start with isometrics this is one of your first sessions with people right yeah, so um, depending on the situation, let's just say if it's someone who's not coming in for MAT, maybe they don't need it after doing, you know, evaluating, I will always get them to, yeah, we'll start with isometrics no matter what, every single session, no matter what, mm -hmm. what the case is. Even if, um, even if it's, let's just say it is a football player, before we go out and do any kind of running drills or any kind of speed work, um, isometrics will always, 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 always take place. It's amazing because even, you know, when we do it ourselves, like it's really hard to describe until, you know, to sell somebody on that until they feel the difference. Mm -hmm. And there's a massive difference when you're doing, I don't care what anybody says. It's, you know, when you're, when you're uh, 
getting yourself prepared with isometrics and then you go do your workout. It's like a whole nother ball game between doing something very general, like a dynamic warm up into a, into a workout compared to isometrics into the workout. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, there's a, there's so many reasons for that too. Like there's uh, the, the neurological connecting and learning. That's a big part of it. Uh, I think there's a mindfulness component to it that increases, you know, just the whole entire performance, you know, to me, um, there's just like nothing that I've seen even come close to replacing isometrics for me, which, which brings me to the long practice uh, fact that I have replaced stretching almost entirely when i have players of any kind in adults if they have a stretch that is therapeutic for them meaning like a physical therapist if they have prescribed that and it's therapeutic and there's a a a benefit that we know is available to them through that practice that's the only time i don't take out a stretch other than that it's all replaced with isometrics and or I call them dynamic isometrics, which is more of like a full body isometric versus like a single joint isometric, which I just call low grade isometrics. No, I'm totally 100% on board with with all of that. I, you know, way back when I used to stretch before I really knew anything, mm-hmm. and um, but now mm-hmm. I I never stretch anybody anytime mm-hmm. anymore. So. Isometrics have certainly uh, taken the place of all of that. And plus, you know, at the end of the day, it's, you know, I think they, clients are starting to, to like that whole idea more because you're just, there's no wasted time. Mm-hmm. You're getting so much more work accomplished. And you're, at the end of the day, they may not know this, but you're preparing the body so much better than just trying to apply a force on them with a stretch rather than getting their nervous system boosted getting ready to do what we're going to do for that day. Mm. Yeah. Nervous system boosted. That's, that, what, that's an interesting concept. So like a, a plugging in of their, I mean, cause obviously the nervous system's already on, like you wouldn't be right. alive, but right. what do you mean by plugging it in? I like to, when people come in, I like to tell them, Hey, let's, that's how I explain it to be quite honest with you is, mm-hmm is uh, the whole isometric. I'm like, let's give, your, let's give your nervous system a boost. Let's give your neuromuscular system a boost. Or I'll say, hey, this is a, the steroid injection. You know, I kind of just, I let them know. That's my way of telling them, hey, this is how we're going to get you prepared. We're going to get your blood flow. We're going to get you stronger. We're just going to get you boosted overall. And that's the general term I use with them. Mm-hmm. And it really sits well with them, especially athletes um because they they don't think um they might not think it's a waste of time at that point it's more exciting and um and then they see the the results that it's going to yield yeah yeah i I just use that general term um i just use that general term Mm -hmm. let's get the nervous system boosted and they love it yeah no my my boys uh i work with my high school boys, uh, they're, the, the term, the coach Jen term is, oh, she flips the switch. 
<laughs> there you go. I know. I love that one. I, I mean, I love sometimes like some of the stuff that they come up with because it's way cooler than anything I could think of. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, flip the switch. I like that. Get the t-shirt. Where do isometrics go when you're working with someone with an active injury? <sighs> Good question. When I feel like they can tolerate it, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll do it. Like, for example, um, what's the, what's the, so I have a, a client where she has had a chronic back pain and hip pain, and she's very young, and her doctors, she's done everything until she met with me, were ready to put her on meds on a, on a on uh, painkillers she's only at the time when we first started seeing each other 28 Dang. and they're already going to put her on a plan of um, just taking payment and just monitoring her with that they pretty much gave up on her um so believe it or not it all stemmed from an injury that she had on her fibula she was a stunt devil Oh my God. Okay. Fibula listeners is below the knee next part of the shin. Yeah. And, um, and I made a mistake and went to her hips and her spine too quickly. She was very, very sensitive. Mm. And then the next session, um, I said, you know what? I'm just going to do the MATRX process on her feet. Like mm -hmm. what, what, what I got to lose? Okay. Boom. I did that. And she started feeling better immediately. Mm. So the hip, the back, she said, Rob, I was able to sleep. Mm. I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. So um, so long story short, I probably didn't get into isometrics with her probably until, I don't know, close to 20 sessions. Not, wow, okay. Only because, yeah. only because every time because at the end of the day, we want to start, we want our clients to progress and work out mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. start training. And, um, and obviously on our, our goal is to build our tolerance levels with that. Mm -hmm. And, um, one day I made a mistake where I, we were doing like an incline dumbbell row and we got to that point and I increased it. What did I have? Unfortunately, I wished weights would all, and I need to buy weights that are one pound increments rather than going from like a 10 to a 12 and a half. Oh yeah. There's another and, podcast and, episode. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> just with that, I threw her off a little bit. Wow. Yeah. And just with that increase, she goes, Oh, my shoulder blade's kind of feeling weird on my left side. I'm like, Oh God, here we go. I go ahead and I check, her, I check her on the table and she's just not looking right. And then we had to go back and almost, I don't want to say start over again, but we had to go back a little bit. Mm -hmm. just that amount of weight so some people can handle what i have played around with some people can handle a three second isometric and then come back and they're solid and then i'll go like four five or six seconds and then they completely get thrown off yeah. uh, so it just depends on the sensitivity level and unfortunately sometimes it's one of those things where you have to you have to learn the hard way and or other times mm -hmm. you get lucky so i will always start off sometimes with just something three seconds like can you maintain this for three seconds without it feeling bad if it feels good okay great we could check it make sure we're good 
So um, it's based on the individual and what they came in with, how sensitive were they when they first started with me, mm -hmm. and, um, and then progress off of that. So I'll put them in the MAT side for quite some time until I feel like they can really benefit from an isometric. Because just like anything else, you know, isometrics are as amazing as they are, they could also, you know, be too much. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. What, um, what is your, like, vision for taking isometrics to the next level or taking your practice there? Or you, I mean, you could be completely happy with your business and your uh, <laughs> training philosophy now. You don't have to have a big vision, but if you do, what is it? Um, you know, I'm really interested in seeing, in seeing what, uh, what Greg Roscoff is coming up with as far as what he's doing with his clients. Mm -hmm really really interested in, in understanding and I'm uh, Dr. Tim Royer and how I could use his machine to mm -hmm. you know monitor clients brain waves and see if my forces or if my um, if our training in MAT is 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 improving their is improving my clients and I've already been speaking with him about it and um, I'm really interested in that and seeing like how specific can we get to improving these people as optimally as we possibly can. Because mm -hmm. um, I just feel like there's so much that that's unknown mm -hmm. that, hey, maybe we can take it up another level with certain people when we don't, just because of, you know, we want to micro-progress people and um, we don't want setbacks. And then on the other case, well, hey, maybe I'm pushing this guy, even though he's this individual who's very, you know, in shape and they can handle and tolerate everything that I give to them, but what, it, but what if, you know, what if I am going to going overboard and I would love to be able to measure all of those things. And um, so I think that's really exciting as far as bringing that into the picture, as far as measuring people's brainwaves and seeing where they're at when they come in, seeing where they're at when they leave, even during the workout itself and, um, and trying to take, take all that data and really, yeah optimizing these workouts i am so grateful for having you on the podcast in my class of course and being able to learn and share ideas and thanks so much for uh showing up and bringing it no thanks for thanks for having me i want to we got to do this again and um yeah and uh keep keep this ball rolling and getting the information out there to people so so they don't think we're the only ones you know <laughs> Well, I don't even care if I am the only one. <laughs> I'm good with it. <laughs> like, I'll just keep talking about it. It's fine. Just keep going with it. I like it. Yeah. All right. Well, have a great day, man.